my life, you know, from 2013 up till 2018, 19, was YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. It was the lifestyle, it was what I was doing with every minute of my spare time. Focus on enjoying it, that will give you the longevity to get to a point where you do see results. If you're in it just to see results, oftentimes you'll burn out before you even get any results because it takes a long time, it's never even guaranteed. Um, I think that mindset has helped a lot of us through collaboration and through just making it sometimes less about the content and more about the experience and you know, making sure we're having fun and that always transpires through on camera eventually. I, I seem to remember in the very early YouTube when you could message channels and people actually check their channel inbox every day, I would message loads and loads of different channels around a similar size, say, hey, do you wanna play some COD together, record a dual commentary, what do you wanna do? I'm happy to give my content to someone else, even if it means that an extra thousand people subscribe to me in the next month. Lots of small boosts in audience leads to a big boost over time. I guess you almost in a way have to be kind of relentless and just be sociable and look for opportunities to extend yourself to a bigger audience. Welcome to the Becoming a Streamer podcast by Pipeline, where we dive deep into how streamers became who they are today to learn from the journey and how they got there. I'm your host, Stone Mountain 64 co-founder of Pipeline. And today we have the pleasure of sitting down with the legend Vic Star 123 YouTube phenomenon with tens of million subscribers, even has three of his own personal channels surpassing 1 million subscribers. He's also one of the founding members of The Sidemen, a content group out in the UK. These guys, to put in perspective, have over 3 million unique views per month just from the UK, which is over 5% of their population. Meaning, you're walking down the street, 1 in 20 people have seen your video just that month. It's incredible scale. This man is a legend. And if you enjoy this interview as much as we do, please share it with a friend. Without further ado, let's jump into it. All right, dude, Vic, thank you so much for joining in, coming on to share your story today for other streamers. If you guys haven't seen Vic before, he is actually one of my inspirations for creating content back in Black Ops 1. He was the Tomahawk master, showing the rest of us noobs actually how to get it done. Got my first shout out as well from Vic. I always got to give a huge shout out to that. I'm, I'm incredibly grateful, always. Uh, he had a COD, COD Carnage community channel. Mm. That helped me get to my first 1,000 subs with my shoutcasting series. So, dude, I just, uh, every time, I, I, I love telling that to people. And it's just, it's just awesome. Because you've always been a fantastic role model for me personally. And just, like, how you create content, the approach you've done, I always try and watch and learn from you. So, like I said, I, I'm super excited to have you on and just uh, be able to chat with you. No, I appreciate that. That's very much high praise. As uh, we've all come a long way since, since yeah. those days. Uh, it's actually awesome to see how many of us are still in the community that started in those days the, the call of duty commentators even when i when i think about that now like what we did then and how different it was to where everyone is now it's kind of mind-blowing the fact that we could load up some multiplayer cod gameplay just talk over it shoutcast over it and post it up and youtube was so new then that people that yeah. was that was all there was you could watch in gaming and everyone loved it and i think so many of those people that set the kind of groundwork then still around now and you know they're my favorite people in the community because they've been here yeah. the whole time we've kind of seen it evolve and change and we've adapted with that um you get you know people come in and come out but anyone who's been around for that long certified in the community and that's the thing too is like you know often i like to see like what, what did people do before they got into content creation you started when you were when you were young right like tell me about that 
Yeah, so I was, yeah, like 14, 15 at school. So all I've ever really known is making YouTube videos. I spent almost half of my life um, just making videos day in, day out. Um, so for me, it was quite an easy transition. I didn't really have to give anything up to go into content creation. I kind of managed it alongside my studies. And fortunately, I, it was about three years later, I finished my studies and I'd built it up to a point where it's like, hey, I'm not even kind of taking the plunge into this. I'm able to now actively do this. And it was it was a test for me. Even at that time, I think YouTube's actually in a way kind of a more comfortable and safe space for creators, at least nowadays, in the fact that we know it's not going anywhere. It's here to stay. But I remember vividly back in 2015, I was moving into a house with the other you know, YouTubers who ended up being the sidemen, um, a few other content creators. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to try this for a year. Let's see if YouTube's still around in a year. Because we, I, I said in the early days, we all thought it was a bubble that was going to burst. We're like, this is, because it just seemed kind of bizarre yeah, to us. how long could this last? Exactly. It was like, wait, we're earning money doing this and we're not TV and we're not a movie and we're not Hollywood. We're just doing our own thing. This is, and yeah, I think that was a very much an early thought is like, wh when's this bubble going to burst? And then I took kind of a year out um, before I was going to go to university and in that year, everything multiplied so many more times through collaboration, through making videos in person and online with the guys that then became the sidemen kind of shortly thereafter. Um, and it was, you know, only after really throwing myself into the deep end and saying, right, I've done this while studying, but can I, where can I get to if I go full time for a year? And then right. that really paved the way for the rest of the future. And it was at that perfect kind of golden time where YouTube was getting bigger but it wasn't super saturated in terms of creators. And we kind of innovated a few times and then the rest is history. I mean, was that, so that was really your focus over to spending more time on it. I mean, uh, you have like over 10,000 10, videos or something uploaded, right? Like, yes. was that like, a? <laughs> it's, just, it's just crazy to even say that, man. But like, was that something that was a, a big lever for you when you did go full time? It was like, okay, I'm going to dedicate like, every hour to this was that yes. where you saw like your first explosive really growth off of that was there even stuff before that that stands out yeah that was definitely kind of the turning point and again it was like look you can either go to university study really hard and go and get a well-paid job or if you're going to do this youtube thing don't don't play around with it get in there do it in my life for probably i'd say you know from 2013 up till 2018 19 was YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. It was a lifestyle. It was what I was doing with every minute of my spare time. Actually, kind of more recently, after I kind of break away from that a little bit, because it's not the healthiest thing to do, I'll be honest. And I've seen you, actually. We can talk about it in a little bit. But in the same way, I see you working hard in the gym. Um, I've been doing the yeah. same thing. And I think that's really important, actually, to kind of round yourself and actually kind of refocus yourself. Um, but yeah, for a good kind of five, six years, it was every spare minute was invested into either creating content, chatting with other creators about ideas, concepts, trends on the platform, um, new kind of content verticals to go into, what's working, what's not working. It was, it was everything. Um, and that's, I think, almost, you know, that's what it took then when it wasn't as competitive. And that's, that's still what it takes to this day, I think. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I even remember back then too, like, I mean, even talking about that community channel that you had, there was a lot of people that were uploading to it. Like there was still, 
you know, people that wanted to get in the space and there was interest mm -hmm. on it, you know, obviously viewership wasn't as high as what it is even today and the potential for it too. But yeah, and talking about that too is like to keep that dedicated that long to it. I guess a, a, a common question that I really hear is like, how do you keep motivated? How do you keep yourself like not from burning out on everything that you're doing? Is there anything like, you know, obviously for me, that has been the gym in some ways, especially recently starting another company and, you know, managing everything that I am now, like that helps me to keep focused. Like, was there anything along that whole journey that helped you keep doing it? Is it kind of the shift now that you're really trying to balance that out more? Um, yeah, I think it was, it was just crazy, crazy times then. And I guess it was just, uh, a mindset of, I, I have to be invested into this. And, and it's, you know, it's very addictive. I'll be honest, YouTube, yeah. you can, it's always, you see it real time, real time. Every day there's a new video. How many views have they got? What are people saying? And like, it can be really rewarding to kind of keep cycling that. A little bit dangerous again, because it is something that can become kind of addictive. And I think it's, it's very easy on the up. But the uh, key thing is sometimes you'll, you'll be on the flat and sometimes you'll be on the decline. And it's just um, understanding that that's kind of natural. And I think, again, it's something that you and I both know when you've been doing this for a long, long time. It is naturally going to happen year over year over year. And every time you can overcome that switching from one game to the next, from one style of content to the next, it's going to be kind of scary and feels like taking this leap of faith. But the more you do it, um, the more comfortable you get with it. And then I think it's it's quite empowering you feel like it, it gives you the motivation like hey i did it i'll do it again i guess yeah. like tangent on the question um in terms of i guess it's just i've, I've always had that mindset of kind of mm -hmm. get something done and kind of work hard um and yeah for me it was just look i've sacrificed what what could have been my life otherwise so if i'm doing this it was always a mindset let's make the most of it let's get the most out of it that we can and it was just yeah that that kept me kind of cycling yeah, I think, you know, there's there's a certain level of dedication. And that's something that I've always seen from you, whether it's even like, you know, starting another channel and maintaining that one and just like, you know, and I, I think too, even your aspect of bringing other people in and playing with other people was something I was kind of delayed to even starting to get into. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, even including myself early on, I, I see these guys that had, you know, a group, whether it was like the crew or, you know, like you guys, and it was like, oh, how do I get into that group or or, or whatever it is, but I guess like what was really impressive is like you guys all coming together and just forming your own thing with it. I guess, could you speak a little bit about that and like how you guys even came together to create that and to, to like do your own thing and form that? Yeah. So, I mean, some might say it was fate. It was destiny. Um, there was no inception point. There was never, and I think that's probably the most powerful part about the whole process. There was yeah. never a conscious decision. Okay, let's make this group. Let's collaborate together. Let's set up, you know, a clothing company. Let's set up a group channel. Everything happened very, very naturally. We were all good yeah. friends. We'd met up at um, very early gaming conventions in the UK in like 2012, 2013. Those are like your Eurogamers, uh, game, Gamescom in Germany, uh, things like that. We got to know each other and we, um, we just got on. We just, outside of making content, we all got to know each other and started getting on. And then a big turning point for us was when GTA 5 released. And that was this huge multiplayer kind of, I guess, sandbox, free roam, open world kind of game where we all jumped on and just started making videos. And it was fun. We were all friends having fun. And 
you know, one of the boys made the crew name the Ultimate Sidemen as nothing serious. It's a joke. It's a laugh. We're, um, you know, we're not we're not trying to be the main thing. It wasn't even much thought into. It, it was just like that's funny. That's our crew name. Let's go. Yeah. And then our fans started enjoying our video so much they started identifying us as the Sidemen. It's like, oh, I watch Sidemen GTA, and we're like, okay, so we've created a bit of a collective. This is cool. The next step was that we started doing, you know, some T-shirts. Um, and we took them to like uh, early gaming events in the UK, like Insomnia, and started selling them. And these T-shirts were literally just simple text saying "Sidemen XIX" on a T-shirt. We ordered them into our house. We like used to package them. We all used to sit downstairs and pack our own merchandise, stick the labels on, and send it out to uh, the fans. So you know, the first probably like uh, five thousand people to ever buy a piece of the Sidemen merchandise. We sat downstairs That's in our living awesome. room and packed it ourselves. Yeah. So it has this really personal touch. We were all kind of, back then, we had to be really conservative as well. It's like, we can't just hire people to run clothing for us. We're not even earning enough to do that kind of thing. Um, but then that kind of solidified it a bit more. Then a few of us uh, moved in, uh, actually prior to this, a few of us had moved into a house together. But it was never kind of officially created. It was something that naturally came together. And I think uh, the most two most powerful parts is one, we were all friends outside of the content. Um, so that was kind of an important thing. There was, we all enjoyed spending time together on and off camera um, and still do to this day. I think the second key part was when we eventually kind of started going into the business direction, we agreed to share everything equally. No matter how many more or less subscribers or views one person had than the next, um, we went into it and with our merchandising, with our channel, with everything, everything split evenly. And I think that's really important. I've seen a lot of other kind of YouTube groups assimilate and there's always going to be fluctuation in how popular one person is or the next person is. There's egos flying around. But from the sure. get-go, we just said everything's equal. And I think that's been really important moving forward and everyone's stuck to that and held to that. And I think that's what allows us just to get our work done. It's like, we're all equal in this. We all put in the same. We have a lot of different systems put in place to make sure everything gets delivered in the way it should be we try to make sure everyone has a roughly equal responsibility and i think that's the key to um creating yeah. a, a powerful youtube group and i i mean i think that power just like it resonates and i think people see that too and i feel like that's like just how organic that is and you guys coming together off it like i feel like that's a big thing in content creation in general too of what i see is like you know a lot of people get into the for the passion for the interest of what they're doing I'm sure like even when you started your, your YouTube channel in the first place, what, like was there a specific content strategy of what you were going after with it? Was it just like, I want to upload some videos and, and share some content? That's it. It was just, I want to post some gaming clips, yeah. see what happens. People are watching those. That's cool. How I see these other people doing these commentaries. So I'm going to talk over my game plan. You've got squeaky voice, 15 year old Vic talking <laughs> about whatever I'm talk rambling about anything. Um, and then it was it was just always natural progressions. You're seeing what other people were doing, saying, hey, I'll give that a go. What's the worst that can happen kind of mindset. So was that kind of how your content strategy formed from that? Was just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of adapt, innovate what other people are doing, see where I can try it, see where I can take my own take on it. Like, what was that? Because obviously, I mean, you started other channels as you've gone through. You've played different games. You've done a lot of switches, I guess. Like, how is that content strategy for you shifted as it did become more like, okay, this is going to be a business. Obviously, like everything you've been talking about, there's so much that is mentally going on behind the scenes outside yes. of just like, I'm going to throw up a video, right? So I guess like, 
Talk to me. I mean, I mean, in the early days, it was very much like the first two sure. years or so. It was very much. I, if someone said, "What was your content plan?" I'd say, uh, "Like this is so early." You're kind in of the just space. finding your voice, even right? Yeah, yeah that's you're so it. young. It's like yeah. Um, so I think in the early days, it was just kind of trying different things, posting them up, and, and it was it's, it's so easy to get feedback and response. You've got the yeah. comment section, and it was trying things. And I remember I was a very hardcore Call of Duty channel. And Minecraft started rising in popularity. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I could get behind this. This is like the early, early days. You've got CNN is doing his Let's Play. That's kind of like, in my head, that's like the inception of Minecraft becoming the behemoth that it is, still is today. Um, yeah. But I remember I was posting Call of Duty videos every day. And I posted up a video, a little clip of me playing Minecraft and said, hey, do you guys want to see Minecraft videos? Yes or no? Leave a like if you like want to see it. Um don't do anything if you if you don't care and leave a dislike if you'll unsubscribe over this content and it got more dislikes than likes and I was like I can't really? do this this isn't this isn't what my audience want on here I've built up this call of duty following and I think uh mindsets of audiences were very rigid and kind of locked in back in 2013 14 um so I kind of left it for a little bit and then maybe like it's probably a year later I made a dedicated Minecraft channel and that it took its time. I remember, you know, it was like getting like three, four, five, six thousand views a video for a long time at the start. And then it started. I remember I was getting, okay, I'm getting 10,000 a video now. I'm getting 15,000 a video. And I was joining different groups of content creators. That collaboration built it up to a point where it was like I could post three Minecraft videos a day and all of them would get, you know, around 200,000 views, which is crazy. Again, Whoa. it's just a, it's a time where just there was so much demand for Minecraft content. We could yeah, just keep it rolling. And again, it was, it was with a similar group of friends. They're, they're called The Pack. We don't really make videos together anymore, unfortunately. But um, I was almost paralleling on one side. I was with the Sidemen playing GTA and Call of Duty and Rocket League and such. And on the other side, I'm playing Minecraft. And that was that was when it was a real five, six videos every single day, but people loved them. There was appetite for it. And YouTube was in a very different space back then to where it is now. So we could do that. Um, and, and yeah, that was, it was just trying things basically. And did you manage like all of that, you know, the channels and everything um, on your own? Like, did you have any editors or anything that you brought on uh, to help you manage it or anybody to help you upload or anything along the process for it? All me. <laughs> Up until about you. two years ago, all me. There was very minimal editing. It was just cut, cut, cut. Um, and I knew the content so well. To turn it around at that rate, I couldn't rely right. upon an editor. And also, no one back then, no one really cared so much about content being edited in the way it is today. People would sit and watch an hour of Minecraft as a Let's Play entirely yeah. uncut. And actually, I would sometimes go in and cut sections out. And I would get people saying... No, why did you cut that? I really enjoy kind of getting into it, experiencing it in the, at the same pace as you. I'm like, well, that's my life easier. I'm not even going to cut these Minecraft <laughs> videos. I'm just going to deliver them as they are. And people really enjoyed them. That was very early on as well when YouTube made the switch to valuing views, to valuing watch time. There was a very distinctive point around, I'd say like 2013, 14, where YouTube realized, hey, the, it doesn't matter how many times people are clicking individual videos. It matters how long they're on the website, on the on the platform, and how many adverts they're hitting. And Minecraft was so great for that because people would sit and they'd get into it, the storyline. They wouldn't want to, you know, skip forward. 
And I think that was a key turning point. And maybe things have shifted slightly away from that in recent years, but that was kind of the first time that YouTube had switched on to, hey, watch time's important. And, and across all of gaming, that was fantastic for all of us because gaming content often tends to be long form. So um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that I was feel that like time. I. I feel like I saw you posting photos of like your your editing process, or maybe I asked you once or something. But I I I feel like I did remember. I used to tweet of, like, out just the like... Sony Vegas projects, and it would be yeah. Like, every night I would like queue up five videos. I would set them all to render one after the other. Go to bed, wake up in the morning, set them all to upload, and that's how I was getting my five videos. Yeah, I remember even seeing that and like being like, man, that is so efficient. It's so... <laughs> because then you could queue up a whole. You know, you got like a couple days ready. Even yeah. you could queue it all up. But when you did bring somebody on, or maybe there was, was there even something that was like, um, you know, like an agent to help you with like any sponsorships or did you do anything like that? Like, what was the first thing that you kind of brought on to help you continue to expand what you were doing? So I think probably throughout the last six or seven years, we've been, I've been working with agencies to deliver branded content and deals. That is one area where actually kind of, I did in the early days need help. But actually, yeah. funnily enough, I tend to handle a lot of it myself these days. So it's almost come full circle around um, whereby I'm quite comfortable doing that job. I, I, I have a weird way of I kind of do everything, uh, even to this day. Um, the only kind of hired assistance I have really had was during um, during the start of Fortnite. They had theater mode. And I was like, this is a really mm -hmm. great place to introduce an editor because they can add more to the video by getting shots in replay mode, adding little teasers to the start of videos with cool cinematic shots to kind of bump up that interest. Um, so throughout kind of Fortnite, um, I had kind of an, an, an freelance editor helping with my content. And now, um, yeah, when I kind of do gaming videos, they'll help with those. Um, but a lot of my kind of Warzone content, again, last year was massive for me for Warzone. Yeah. Uh, and I was doing a lot of Warzone content. I was editing that myself because it was so easy and quick for me to do because I knew the game that I'd played and I instantly, it's the kill counter in Warzone so helpful because I would focus in around every time the kill counter went up, I could very quickly track through. I remembered each engagement. So for me, it was actually yeah. efficient just to finish a stream, clip up the games that I knew were good, add an intro to it. So even last year, I was kind of editing videos myself and just keeping it very um very gameplay focused which is yeah which is what well, you done. you you have so much experience with it you know what your audience likes like you know mm -hmm. how to do it and i think that's what is is sometimes really hard for people there's other people that i've talked to too are just like i still do absolutely everything completely myself and then you know there's other aspects where you give someone off even some of the first content that i brought up it was kind of mm -hmm. like well i could upload two or three more videos a week if i had somebody else doing it and you know, there's a lot to kind of manage with it, but I guess even like when it comes to other platforms that you post on and create for, I know like you have like your Instagram is kind of more, more photo focused and you have other aspects to those too, I guess. Um, how has your like approach been to some of the, cause like you have a very big Twitter as well. And like, how does that kind of keep your community together or what's that for you in your content process in these days? Yeah, so I think actually, I guess if you want to kind of look at like efficiency and kind of utilizing other platforms and clipping things and getting them out there, that's probably not somewhere where I'm fantastic. I'll kind of own up to it and I'll say, you know what, uh, I don't do a lot of that. And that's something actually props to you and your team that I see really, really great is that coverage across different platforms, like clipping up of footage, getting it all out. 
Um, but for me, kind of at this point, almost my social media is, again, through the following that has come from the Sidemen and non-gaming content, it almost exists more as just a kind of a reflection of me, I guess. Call, right. call, call, me, call me an influencer, which I know a lot of people kind of cringe at the term. But um, I tend to kind of make that a bit more personal. Um, it's yeah. a space where I can kind of, uh, you know, promote brands and products. But um, a lot of my social media now just I tend to just make kind of about me if possible. Um, and it's not really kind of a place to distribute more content. Um, right. But that's just kind of my personal skew on it. And I think I now feel myself at a position where... I've built my brand to kind of a point I'm really happy with it. I sit as part of a much larger project within the Sidemen and that almost, as a creator, that gives me some more kind of comfort in the sense that I don't feel the need to be constantly chasing to kind of increase reach. Fortunately, yep. because of the way the Sidemen channel and properties work, there's such insane reach across all of those that I don't feel so much pressure to kind of put myself out there beyond that content. But that's kind of a very unique situation that I don't think really any other gamers be up yeah besides us really find ourselves within well that's i mean that's a nice thing of being able to have especially such a large group of collaborations that you're able to do it's like you are getting a whole bunch of avenues of other you know it's not like you're it's just all good organic reach through all of it is like you have a lot of other avenues just by the process of what you're doing and what you've created so it's already extremely efficient in what you do and I mean, for me, a big part of like even going over to Facebook in the first place, I was just uploading the same content over there and it started to go viral. And that was kind of my extra avenue of a whole bunch of reach was like using other platforms to continue to expand off of, I mean, a massive amount of potential for additional reach on it. And I feel like that's what I see through you. Obviously, you could do the same thing through even just separate YouTube channels, focusing yeah. on different algorithms within all those right mm -hmm. yeah it's it's almost scary but it's exciting at the same time there's always there's always yeah. so many different routes that you can go down and it's just a case of exploring them i think and that's one thing i feel a lot of people are kind of sometimes afraid to do but it's just trial and error that's all it is at the end of the day when you go to like you know i've seen you guys do this like you very unique shows on on the sidemen channel and all of these different things like do you ever feel nervous going into any of these new projects because obviously it is something different especially for me going from like you know my gameplay i know a lot of that to going in front of a stage or an audience and things like that's always been kind of a difficult transition even for me so it's like is there anything that's been helpful for you for it do you feel like it's just a certain level of comfortability that you've acquired over time with it or is there anything that you keep in mind as you do any of these new projects or anything i think it's something that just kind of over time i think the more, more you kind of push yourself out of your comfort zone and try different things, the yeah. more you'll uh, kind of, uh, I feel like, be able to do that. And I think the other thing that helps a lot within the Sidemen group is that a lot of this stuff is new for all of us. And it mm. feels less daunting when it's all of us throwing ourselves into this format and none of us really know how it's going to go, gonna what happen, it's going to yeah. do. Um, and I think that's, I think, yeah, and it's just, I think the longer we've kind of existed as a group, um, the easier it's become for us just to throw ourselves at new things and kind of give it a shot. And yeah, it takes a lot of the pressure off. So I think through collaboration and through just making it sometimes less about the content and more about the experience and you know mm -hmm. making sure we're having fun and that always transpires through on camera eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, throw ourselves in kind of mentality. And yeah, it's, I think the group factor definitely helps. 
as you've um, kind of gone through everything, I mean, you've, you've seen a lot, you've seen a lot of other channels, obviously your own experience too. Is there anything, I'm sure there's a lot, but is there anything that kind of stands out as like a vital skill that you think yourself or others even possess as a creator that helps them through their journey and everything that they're working on? So I think, I think collaboration is really, really, I mean, it's so easy to say, oh, it's really, really important. But I think what I did from a very early point in my YouTube career that really helped me is I was constantly exploring new opportunities in the same way that you looked at my community channel called Carnage and saw an opportunity there to expose yourself to more people. In the early days, I was looking at things like the Machinima Respawn channel where I could become a yeah. director and expose more people to my content there. And it was just moving through. It was then when I built a small audience, it was finding other content creators of a similar size doing, they used to be called dual commentaries back in the day where you both sit on the microphone and have just a general chat. And actually now when you watch them back, they're so bizarre and awkward and weird. And how is that what the, the, the kind of the pinnacle of content was? People would be like, oh, there's a dual commentary coming out between Vixar and Drifter. I'm going to tune yeah, in yeah. and check that out. And like in today's, like what they just, but then again, you look at podcasting and you look at mukbangs and you look at how people interact. It's always been important. But I think the biggest part for me was looking for those, finding those opportunities. They never fell into anyone's you know, lap, really. It was always looking, making those connections, reaching out to people constantly. I, I seem to remember in the very early YouTube when you could message channels and people actually check their channel inbox every day. I would message loads and loads of different channels around a similar size, say, hey, do you want to play some COD together, record a dual commentary? What do you want to do? Share each other's kind of content, ideas. Um, and then also I even worked with bigger channels, but I always had the mindset of th there's no way a bigger channel is just gonna work with me. Cause I was always thinking, I was, I was always trying to think, what can I do to help them? Whether right. it was, you know, helping them create content, whether it was, you know, finding a good Minecraft map to record with someone that maybe had a bigger audience on Minecraft and saying, hey, I've set it up on a server, let's jump on, let's play this Minecraft map, making their life easier. One I remember very clearly is uh, I got some early access to one of the Battlefield games um, very early on. And uh, I went to Ali A, who had a huge channel at the time. And I kind of knew, you know, ish, but I didn't, you know, I, we weren't, didn't know each other that sure. well. But I said, hey, look, here's this early exclusive gameplay that people are going to love. Post it to your channel. All I ask is that at the start of it, you say thanks to me and pe ask people to come and check out my channel. And I think my upload of the gameplay got maybe like 50,000 views and his version got a million views. And a lot of people might think like, oh, well, you know, you should have asked him for all the ad revenue on that video. But it was, look, I'm happy to give my content to someone else, even if it means that an extra thousand people subscribe to me in the next month. You know, it's all scales of growth and you have to get everything going and it's like a small boost lots of small boosts in audience leads to a big boost over time so it was just that kind of I guess you almost in a way have to be kind of relentless and just be sociable and look for opportunities to extend yourself to a bigger audience um that's I kind of like I guess would be and then be consistent with it and that's consistent with everything your content and your rate of exposing yourself to new audiences, whether that's trying new things, whether that's working with new people. But that would be kind of my as concise as possible yeah. guide. But then again, I, I kind of disclaimer, I did this back in 2012, 2013. Things are very different in this day and age. And I think some of those principles may hold true 
but that's by no means there's no there's no playbook to it there's no direct guide to it but those are some principles and, that i think were important I, and 100 percent, i think that principle of just like finding ways to add value i mean it's something that even if you're playing with somebody of a, a re relatively similar size or whatever it is like you are still contributing to the content or you know your personality your take even to your point of you know you experiencing these things and having fun and bringing the joy to the content with the sidemen and those new experiences like that's that's what I see. That's what even in your own videos, why people want to subscribe is like, what's the, you know, for me, it was like, what, what is this guy going to do with the Tomahawk next? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the next spot that I could use in my own content and try and hit something cool that would be flashy or whatever it is. Um, and then I guess too, like, how do you even incorporate some of that into like your streams? Cause obviously you can stream on YouTube. You have some implementations of that, that you've done over the years especially when new games are kind of out. And is that kind of the way that you focus it? Like, what is that for you and your content library? Um, yes, streaming is just kind of an extended presentation of content um, for me. Uh, in the early kind of Minecraft days, actually, I used to do a lot of streamed content that people really enjoyed because it was that interactivity that is Minecraft. You're driving a storyline a lot of the time and viewers being able to kind of comment on that and kind of add to that I feel like they really really enjoyed um which is kind of where I got I guess my got into my kind of first big gaming streams was during Minecraft and then with Battle Royale games it was just it was just perfect to do while creating content it's like you're creating content while creating content yeah um and yeah it's just it's just been kind ultimate of, efficiency yeah it, right? and yeah and an, and an enjoyable way to kind of express what is going on and again there's moments that you'll capture live that just you know don't exist in vod you know it's just the watch time people get involved um so it's just been kind of an extension and something that i can do while creating content that people really enjoy as you've kind of been over all this time i'm sure you've gotten the question as well like what advice would you give to creators or would, what advice would you give to me kind of starting out or thinking about getting into this like what is kind of your um, take on it or some lessons that I guess you would uh, yeah. give? So I'd say kind of circling back to a couple of minutes ago, the points I made about looking for those opportunities, yeah. remaining consistent. Those are key principles. I think one, which is sad in a way, but don't expect too much by the way of results. Um, focus on enjoying it. That will give you the longevity to get to a point where you do see results. If you're in it just to see results, oftentimes you'll burn out before you even get any results because it takes a long time. And it's never even guaranteed. Yep. Um, I think that mindset has helped a lot of us who started in the early days. None of us really got into the scene because it was a glamorous thing. It was just for us, it was a passion. It was a desire to experiment, learn, kind of grow ourselves. And I still think to this day that's really important um, in the early stages. So yeah, it's consistent, enjoy it, don't expect too much and try to learn as many skills as you can throughout. And then when all is said and done, there's these, the YouTube industry and the gaming and the live streaming industry has grown so many other industries that even if um, creating content doesn't work out for you, there's so many opportunities yeah. that I see day in, day out that I'm sure you and I have seen people that used to create content have fallen into fantastic positions where they're really able to understand the space. That's something that when we started wasn't valuable, just understanding YouTube. But in this day and age, I see it time and time again. So many companies want to hire people that understand this space because 
it does extend so far and it is really influencing a new generation of people consuming content. So I think those would be my kind of top tips. It's, it's massive. It's growing. There's new platforms coming up that are trying to figure out like, what it, what is it that is actually doing this, you know, from outsiders that are looking in from just like TV or movies or whatever. And they're like, I don't even understand anything about this space at all. Like how, why are anybody even subscribed to this in the first place? It's like, but I, I feel like everything it, that, that was fantastic, man. Thank you so much for coming on, for sharing all of this. Again, if you guys want to check Vic out, Vicstar123, Twitter, YouTube, all the socials. Uh, any parting um, thoughts or anything you want to mention? Uh, no, no. Th th thanks for having me, and uh, it's it's great to see uh, great to see us both both here and doing our thing and living it up. It's awesome. It, it's awesome. And I mean, this podcast, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much again. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Absolute pleasure. Cheers.